When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We acknowledge the Noongar people the traditional owners of the land the upcoming game is played on, and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the 2021 AFL Premiership season on AFL Nation. Pearls it into the pocket. Cameron wants it. Cameron gets it. To Silwood, standing start. Lash the ball toward the goal. Oh, that's a moment of inspiration from the skipper. Bolton still ready. Ready to run. from goal, kept it alive, 48 from goal, goes with the banana, it'll be the miracle, he runs around and bombs a goal, oh what a blast it was from Bailey Smith, Martin's got it, he scores, he shoots, it's the stuff of legend, Dustin Martin confirms his status at the top of the game, welcome to AFL Nation. It is semi-final weekend, so they are all knockout finals from here. It begins in the West as Geelong looks to avoid a straight sets exit and squandering a season against the Giants who have overcome so much to still be alive at this stage. It's at the venue of the coming grand final, Optus Stadium in Perth, as the Cats and the Giants come together with only one to survive. On AFL Nation, Jared Waitley with you and Anthony Hudson is with me. Hello, hello. Hello, Jared. Good evening, everyone. There's some nervous people on the other side of the name. In fact, it feels like another world, another universe over there. It's so bleak and dark in Melbourne, but uh, both these sides obviously contrasting games. Last week, there's recent history. There's all the drama of Toby Green. There's the milestones. There's Jeremy Cameron against his old team. Uh, Paddy Danger. There's so many different things yeah. that have happened to either side during the week. So how that's all going to come together tonight, I've got no idea, but I can't wait. It's a good observation at the top. The weather has finally caught up with the mood of mm. the city. Jordan Lewis, <laughs> hello to you. Oh, I was at the park today not longer than three hours, but I just I knew the rain was coming and I was checking the weather band and just had passed us and then once it set in, well, it, it was a... Uh, been half glad that the finals aren't here tonight, being um, the mm. weather it, it might be over there. But uh, I suppose today and, and tonight over there brings a sense of relief for the playing group because there's been a lot of media around, especially how Geelong have performed. And, and this is the opportunity to come out and, and try and rectify all that, that didn't happen last week. So as a player, you would imagine there's... There's a sense of belief, there's a sense of nervousness, but but certainly some relief to the game is upon us. They get a chance to come up against um, an undermanned GWS side. Um, but there will be a lot of answers, and you mentioned a few of them off the top. You know, how, how does Dangerfield perform with, with, with what is a broken hand? How do they, you know, set up their forward line? How does that operate? How do, how do their backs go? You know, Henderson, after having a, a, a down week last week, how does he respond? And, um, and the loser, season over. 
And you love that, don't you? You oh, love just, sudden it, death finals. It just provides so much intrigue because I, I do really enjoy watching teams and players perform when the the result, um, you know, it, clearly if you win, you continue. And just to see how people prepare and perform under the immense pressure that is finals, but certainly a cutthroat final like tonight. Last Friday night, Jared Healy tiptoed us towards the crumbling of Empire. It yeah. became the overwhelming narrative of the week. And tonight we find out, is mm. you'll know at the end of tonight, Jared. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot more evidence, Jared and team. And uh, great to be on. Uh, I think the big pressure is with Geelong. I don't think uh, there's a huge amount of uh, back sliding if um, the Giants lose tonight. They've got to bring the pressure. If they bring the pressure and uh, diminish the ball movement of uh, Geelong, then they certainly can win. That's their only way that they can win. They have got to force Geelong into playing a bumbling, stumbling game that they played last week. If they don't, they will get slaughtered tonight, and uh, that's going to be their great challenge. But ultimately, everybody is looking at the Cats. I mean, their demographic, it doesn't take much to work out that uh, it's all chips in. I think it'll be all chips in again next year. But what last week showed was that if your best five players don't play well, gee, the result is going to be horrific for a period of time. Now, you can say that about any club, but when your best five players are 30-plus and a couple of them are 32-plus, three or four of them are 32-plus, then uh, you've got some really long, extended rebuilding to do at some stage in the near future. Probably not next year if I'm Chris Scott. I'm going. I'm going all in again. Probably introduce a few kids, but uh, gee, tonight is is just massive. It's 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 a cutthroat final, more so for Geelong than it is, in my view, for the Giants. The old uh, fall of the Empire, Jared, does remind me of 2010 calling with Tim Lane on Channel 10. I think it was 2010 or 2011. They were getting towed up, I think, by the Dogs, and he said the. The days of domination are over for Geelong, and they went <laughs> yeah. on to win a premiership about 12 months later. Uh, but I, and I think looking forward to tonight the how they set up so I think the way that Geelong set up needs to be tinkered with I think if you look at their inside 50s and one of their biggest issues is the way they go inside forward 50 and the quality of ball that goes inside forward 50 and then I looked at the the numbers last week and and for me, if I was to choose one player in that side to be delivering the ball inside forward 50 it's Mitch Duncan mm. he, he has two inside 50s, clearly played wing, halfback. I would I would rather him in the middle of the ground to deliver the ball inside forward 50. I'd play Paddy Dangerfield forward and get Jeremy Cameron up the ground because, one, he's a good ball user. Two, he can work up and back as that wing-type assist in the air. And Dangerfield, for me, provides that, that target that you need at the top of the goal square, that forward pressure that they didn't have last week. I just think that would be a, a nice little change to – to get that, that game style going again. Well, Tui coming in allows Duncan to push up the ground. Yep. I think Radagalia coming in allows him to long bomb, and they are a bit of a, uh, a banging midfield. I think that was the biggest issue to me. A lot of people focusing on, you know, the forward not doing the job on Alir Alir, but to me, Alir Alir was able to do his job because the midfield were horrible. I mean, the midfield aren't hitting targets to make Alir Alir defend and get him out of the way, etc. But just going back to your initial point, Jared, I've got some details here on their list. Hawkins, Higgins, Selwood and Smith are 34 next year. Tui is 33 next year. Dangerfield and Stanley turn 32 next year, so they've got some time. Rowan and Henderson, 31, but, you know, there's 30s and there's 30s. Um, 
Three are third at 29, two are 28, two are 27, two are 25, five are 22, and one is 21. That was their side last week. So if you compare it to, say, Melbourne, for instance, Melbourne have had four Rising Star Awards mm. this year. The Sydney Swans have had four. So there's, you know, they've had a good crack and good luck to them. They get one more flag. There wouldn't be one person Geelong unhappy with their strategy. So if they lose tonight, though, and they're out in straight sets, do they go again next year or do they actually start something? No, I, as I said, I would still go another crack. I don't know. You know, I try and introduce a few, but I don't think you can go wholesale changes with this group because I think I look at Hawkins. He's still probably the best big man in the competition. Selwood has still got a role to play. Isaac Smith, still a very important player. But how can the team improve on the – could you really look at it logically and you look, look at where Melbourne are at and those other teams mm. around them and think that they're going to be better? They've had some bad luck this year at the end, but when you've got a list of that demographic, that's more likely to happen than ever. You've got a younger group. So how could you think they'll get better next year than this well, year? Well, I think they get better as soon as Tom Stewart comes back into the side. I mean, he's a huge out. I mean, if you're going to play the way they play, control the ball, defend with the ball, you are susceptible to pressure. And we saw that unfold and unravel them last week. But if your key distributor from the back line is not there, then that sort of the domino theory mm. makes it much more difficult. So I still think there's a, another... Premiership assault there. Probably they'd need to, you know, look at building the depth of their midfield, uh, getting a couple of better ball users in there. And unfortunately, Higgins has been that person that has, you know, failed. He just hasn't delivered, unfortunately, for him and for Geelong. But uh, they may be able to find one or two others. Not pay too much, but just build the depth of their midfield. So the most creative minds throughout the week have suggested that should Geelong lose, Chris Scott might jump out Mm. and and head to a, a vacant job or a job that's not yet vacant. Could you in in any world see that? I don't think so. Not yet. I think he'd roll the dice for 12 more months. Unless there was a push from me internally, a big push there, well, that would be a different story. I don't think there is that. I don't, I don't think there I don't, is either. I'm pretty confident there isn't that push internally. I think most people... So it'd be, it'd be his choice if it happened. It'd yeah. be him saying... I think Geelong have got one of the finest coaches in the land. It's easy to say, let's move on. And there's plenty of people out there at Geelong think we should be doing this and we should be coaching this way. And, you know, he has got a challenging style. He's got a style that controls, but he's got a style that uh, has had them 21 points in front in the grand final last year. So I I think it's a pretty pretty dangerous move to be tipping out one of the finest coaches we've seen over the last couple of decades. (laughs) <laughs> we have seen that. We have seen that about <laughs> six weeks ago. It couldn't happen <laughs> twice in the same three months. And so what of the stylistic debate, Jordan, that has been going on? There are, there are some who say that's home and away footy and it doesn't cut it when the pressure of finals truly kicks in. Yeah, I think Jared's right in, in saying that Tom Stewart is is a massive out. They, they are completely different and ever since he's been out, it looks like the Fords just have lost that reference point. Nobody knows or have taken on that role of of being the calming influence um, down there in defence. Um, I still think can, control at, at certain parts of the game can can clearly work. When, when Geelong, for me, are playing their best football, they're a little bit more aggressive, especially with the ball. I, I still remember that game... Now, that, now, West Coast didn't play that well, but that, for me, was a change of mindset. They started to switch the ball. They started to run and use the open side of the ground, and Isaac Smith was involved. Duncan was involved, and they absolutely 
obliterated West Coast down there. And we've seen times that they've been able to do that. Well, that third quarter against Richmond, the entire match against Fremantle was a little bit yep. there. It was a more controlled, but just a, one of the best displays of footy this year, really. So, yeah. So for me, I think as a player, if you're playing it too long, you're, you're always wrestling with the idea and, and um, the temptation to play down the line because that's what that's what you're used to but yet they've introduced and they've been doing it for a little bit but the the open side for me look they look more dangerous because I think you get a twofold reward for it one yes you're opening up the ground you you um you're energized but two you, you're you're zapping the defense so so we saw last week when Geelong were moving the ball down the line yes Alir Alir had a lot of influence in the game. But then once that ball was marked, boom, they made the ground so big they had energy because they didn't really have to defend a lot of the part of the ground. So I would like to see Geelong more aggressive, certainly tonight. I I think conditions will clearly suit that. Um, And I think they'll get an advantage down forward. For me, it's it's probably the setup of the forward line, to be honest. I, I think the way GWS defend, they defend back shoulder. So if I'm a forward, I'll be... I'd like to set up sort of 40 metres from goal. So to use that space behind or, or to provide that double double threat, you can lead up or lead back rather than stationing myself really deep when they can just defend back shoulder and, and have everything that comes towards them. And I think we saw Hawkins and Taylor last time do that and Taylor had arguably his best game of the year. But for me, they need to get up the ground a little bit more and work back. The style is a – I think it's a really interesting discussion. And to play quick, that's also, I reckon, an easy objective. But to play quick, you've got to have players that can make the decisions and back it up with skill. And you know, I look at Henry, good player, Henderson, Kolodashny, Tui, Tick, Atkins and Blitzars, not so many no. ticks. So no. you're coming off the half-back line um, – I'm a bit nervous, and I can see why Chris Scott says, let's just slow it down, make sure the option's there, etc. But if you could go and pinch Lockie Whitfield and stick him in the half-back line or Josh Kelly, they're the sort of players that Geelong don't have. Or Jordan Dawson. Absolutely. Now, yeah. that might be in a story in its own right uh, at yeah. some stage in the next week. Uh, follow that one. Um, even Lockie Ash is a good kick, yep. and they haven't got these penetrating kicks off the half-back line. So, I mean, ultimately, Chris Scott has got this group of players, and he's fashioned, I think, an unbelievably pertinent style for that group of players. But that doesn't mean if he's there next year, he says, we're going to go exactly the same way. Maybe they've got to say, we need to flip it a little bit and go and buy some personnel or push a Clark in and, you know, get him some game time somehow, somewhere, because he has got the speed and I think he's got the dexterity uh, of skill and also the um, and the, the capacity between the years to make those choices. So what we saw with with Rowan last week, would you continue with that, him off halfback? Now you know Radigalia might fill that void left in the forward line in terms of competing in the air. He looked okay. He was yeah. he was good in the air. He provided some run and carry, which they lacked in the first half. And he's a good kick. But, I mean, he's had many years with the Swans on the halfback line. I think Chris has turned him into a, in a pretty good forward. So, But I wouldn't be surprised mm. to see it simply because Radigalia comes in. But I think what we're seeing if, in by comparison with Port Adelaide, and by comparison with the Sydney with um, the Demons, you have a look at their small forwards. Yeah, I mean, right now they they've got a forward line that you reckon is always going to rely on perfect football coming into the forward line. Tom Hawkins is probably their best ground ball player. 
I mean, that's saying something. Yeah. I mean, they they haven't got an A grade crummer at this stage. So they dropped Dalhouse for this week. Yeah. So they've been yeah. a long believer in him that he played a role. It was. Not necessarily obvious from the outside, but exactly what that was. But they've made that change, so it'll be interesting. And I know they're aware that uh, we saw it with Port last week, but their, their, their weakest forward or a small forward has been targeted by the, mm. by the interceptor, and Aaliyah did it so well last week. So they'll be ready if that's Haynes doing that tonight. But, but I find it fascinating that um, they're targeting their small forward. What does a small forward run over on the half-forward line and do what Cody Waitman did and go and put it – put? Get on the charge and get a chest mark. I mean, get a leer a leer away from there. I mean, a leer a leer dominated because they kicked it to the obvious spot. Let them go. Uh, Close is a good player. Myers, you know, he's growing. Gary Rowan, Jeremy Cameron, Radigalia, and Hawkins. There's not a lot of ground ball penetration there. And if you put danger there, I mean, he's he's clearly can win ground ball. But it's not that super high end skill that um, you know you see with Port Adelaide, which is that's why it's a really interesting mix. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Added to that mix is Jeremy Cameron against the Giants for the mm. first time, which is perfect that it would happen in a do-or-die final. So the, the narrative, you've lived this narrative. Player leaves, but the extra kicker is thinks the current team is done. <laughs> leaves, go to where he feels like he can have more success. The geography plays a role, but yep. let's just skip over the geography. And then here they are, the Giants unexpectedly back in a semi-final, and the Cats probably hoping to avoid this step and have skipped straight over to the prelim. Yeah, GWS finished 13th last year, and then you, you lose uh, what could possibly be your best player in a period where you would hope everyone's staying around to help you climb back up the ladder. He, he, he gets out, and then you find yourself in a position which they wouldn't have thought they would have been in you know, at the start of the year or halfway through the year in a semi-final against... The player that left your club to a side that he thinks was in premiership contention. And this is your chance to be there and, and to knock them off. And, and I know they're under man, but that, that, if I was playing, that for me is, is motivation. And you're right, I, I've lived through it. Um, 2013, lucky enough to win the premiership. And, and Sydney, who were always competing around that era with, with us, Lance Franklin goes and joins that team. And then, funnily enough, we play them in the home and away season. We didn't really. Um, think too much about that game. He came out and was o- overly aggressive, and then we sort of thought, okay, we'll, we'll we'll play them at some stage during the back end of the career, be it finals. And then we got our chance in the grand final. I can tell you, there, there would have been nothing that would have stopped us from making his day hell. We're still mates after the game, but absolutely, Sydney Swans after what happened in twelve. Now having Franklin, we get a chance to to redeem ourselves, but also stop. Um, him from winning a grand final, absolute motivation. I think it suits the demeanour of the Giants. I think they will take it personally. Mm. They'll use it to fuel themselves, and I expect that we'll see it out on the ground even more visibly than you normally do. Do you think it's the right tactic to I someone like know, Jeremy Cameron, who's but, such a laid-back... But it suits their demeanour. Mm. So oh, if, they, if they draw from it, then it doesn't really matter what it does to And Club Cameron. V Club, there was angst around the yes, deal. There yes. was real angst around the deal. And when we talk about the, the decision, Geelong were committed to Cameron. It ended up costing them a, a, so much more than what they thought when they thought they might be able to get him as a free agent. And, you know, they'd got all this capital from uh, from the Tim Kelly deal. They then used it on, on um, 
not reluctantly, but they did on camera, and, and there was a lot of a uh, lot of angst around it from various parties. So that just all adds to it. I think the kicker, the absolute kicker, though, is Jesse Hogan turns up and mm. has done essentially what uh, Jeremy Cameron has done. It's been a really good pickup for them. He's done well. Sometimes you need to have a relationship. Seems like he's got this relationship with uh, Big Mummy. He straightened him up. He's dedicated. And, uh, gee, last week, was that was mm. the best game he's played for a long period of time. Yep. The idea that the Giants are undermanned, so they played round 21, they beat Geelong. They lose Toby Green, but they gain Hopper, Cornelio, Kelly, Hogan mm. and Mumford from the team that just yeah. beat the He's Cats. He's a good player, uh, Toby Green, but I don't think he surpasses that quartet or five people. It was a strange game. I remember Colin Jasney kicks the goal in the first couple of minutes, yeah. first of his career. Cats are celebrating. Everyone thinks it's a great laugh because they're playing the team with all those players missing and then the game really changed and the Giants, the Cats did come storming home, but it was too late. So it was different expect- – and Danger got injured in that game early, of course. So that was the – Toby Green got suspended from that and missed the, missed the following week. Danger didn't give evidence, so there's another – there was another That's little right, thing yes, that was all yeah. stitched into it. So, yeah, it will be uh, – real- and Taranto kicks the four goals the following week without Toby, so that's – does he play forward tonight and do the same again, or do they, or is it just Cornelio that goes there? You look at their back line, it's, it's pretty small. I mean, Stain's been a good player, but, you know, he's going to be either on Tom Hawkins or Radicalia. He's, he's fighting out of his weight there. Taylor's also fighting out of his weight. He seems to do really well on big name players, but uh, do you, I think. He, he stitched up Hawkins he last did. time. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, so he goes in with some confidence. Haynes is the interesting one. He's, he's, I guess, notionally the interceptor, but he hasn't done a lot of intercepting in recent times. So they're probably one short. Connor Iden's been one of their really good uh, players named on the bench. I suspect he'll be, he'll be playing there. But I think there are so many, as you said, there's so many uh, clauses and subclauses and mm. uh, stories in this one. It's uh, going to be a beauty. I mean, you, you looked at the Giants. I did it before last week's game. I think they had 13 players last week that were top 20 mm. draft picks and six that were top four. So there's a lot of talent still in that Giants team. And that's why it's been a hard conversation around Leon Cameron to judge him because he just hasn't had any luck with injuries for the whole time through. But even though we all thought that given how they did last year that they would fall this year, there's still enormous highly. Yep. And we know where you get drafted only means something, but mm. it does mean something. Yeah, it means you've got talent. Yep. It means you've got plenty of talent. doesn't mean that you're going to make it. Plenty of top draft picks have uh, failed along the way. And the, the, the guy under the most pressure at uh, the Giants is their captain. I mean, Steve Cornelio, it's, he, he hasn't been uh, anywhere near his very best. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure he was ever the super, super midfielder that people said he was, but he was certainly a darn good player through the middle of the ground. And now his role has been what most people in the West say is his best role, as a kid, and that is a sort of a, a negative forward who can kick a goal. Now, he's gone into the midfield and picks up 30 like every other midfielder that goes into the uh, into the game. But, uh, gee, he needs to somehow just impose himself, I think, just to almost convince himself as, as to his worth as captain. And the issue that the Giants have dealt with throughout the week, and it is unresolved still as we sit here, is Toby Green's suspension. So the, the three weeks as it stands rules him out for the remainder of the year. The appeals hearing happens after the final series where the AFL will look to have that increased from three to six, which will have a big impact on next year Mm. if they are successful on that. How do we feel that's unfolded during the week? I thought thought Gil recovered it well. I thought that uh, it was a bit shy. I think if they had have come out, pleaded guilty, thrown himself on the sword, uh, you know, 
acknowledged everything that was wrong about it, then I think you could probably have got three and four and most people would have walked away and said, probably lucky, but move on. But to essentially say nothing to see here, you know, I, I think that was flouting uh, with common sense. And, you know, I'm not surprised Gil responded the way he did and I think he needed to respond the way he did. I listened to your show the morning of it and I couldn't believe some of the stories. Uh, there was a young... Young girl who Laura, was a bi- was. who was a, a goal umpire. Mm. I mean, her story was reason enough for Gil to act. Whatever the outcome of the suspension, it has to be a moment that does produce change at that at that level, doesn't it? I think so like, it's, a, it's an all of code discussion. Yeah. I do think that's the bit the Giants missed. Is yeah. you had to, I think, and history will say if they end up with three, then they played a, a good hand. He'll end up with six, I think. And they will have missed the element of damage control, which yep. was to get out in front of it, to own it, to apologise for it. They essentially they pleaded not guilty and then asked for zero weeks. Mm. Th- those were the two things the Giants did. And then they've sort of spent the week telling us, oh, no, he's really sorry. Well, there's no action to say that. No. There was a, an apology within the tribunal hearing, but there's nothing more broad than that. So I think they missed that aspect. Yeah, I think they misread it completely. I mean, I think even the vision, I thought uh, Gleeson nailed it. He moved off his line into the line of the umpire, and uh, people got confused about the level of impact. Well, the, the level of impact was totally irrelevant because the umpire got out of the way, which diffused the impact. There was still a brushing of impact, but had, had he stayed square on his line and he had no reason to get off his line, it would have been a, a much more damage not damaging, but it would have been a much more provocative um, action that I think should the, the action should have been judged on. The more I look at it, the more I shake my head. I, I just can't believe that a player would not understand just the, the basic um, respect that, are, that is around. You, you just never touch umpires, whether it be to to grab their arm and let them know that something's happening. And certainly you wouldn't go in and, should, and should bump Lock, them on your way off. Should Lockie Neal have been suspended? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's interesting yep. how each mistake that's been made within the judicial system has reverberated either mm. within season or season to season. Yeah, which is why you should never walk past a mistake when it's made. And maybe the AFL learnt that this week. We have much to discuss tonight. We'll come through the Carlton scenario. Collingwood's got a new coach. We're going to touch base with both camps tonight. Vaccinations are in the discussion of the football world. Is Jared on the panel now or not? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have your eyes on a brand new car? Go ahead and experience the convenience of buying your brand new Hyundai online with Hyundai's Click to Buy. Visit the Hyundai website to find your local dealer today. Semi-final night over in the West. It's the second of the semi-finals, the Cats and the Giants, and you're listening to AFL Nation. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.